Friends, if you don't know me, my name is Seth. I am the student ministry pastor around these parts. I've been uh, working with middle school and high schoolers for the better part of eight years now. Praise God. That's awesome, right? Eight years. Guys, I remember when I started, Barna had done some research about how long a youth pastor usually lasts at a church before they transition either to a a new role or just quit ministry altogether. At that point, it was like three years. That was like a high level of a youth pastor. To be at a church for three years was a really great win. And I got to tell you, being in ministry for eight years with our students has been beautiful to watch the fruit and the longevity of the Lord planting us here for a long time. I'm, I'm very grateful to, to witness the spiritual growth of students and to have an impact in it. And I'm, I'm thankful for our team of, of leaders and student leaders pouring into the ministry as well. We have a lot of beautiful relationships at our community of Awake. Uh, relationships with our adult leadership team, our, our student leadership team, relationships between students and parents. It's all a work in progress, of course. And, you know, there's different challenges and dynamics in relationships, One challenge of a dynamic that comes to mind with relationships is uh, the concept of a long-term, long-distance relationship. Okay, I can use this mic. Thank you. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a long-distance relationship before. Yeah. Would you you say that that's challenging or not challenging? It's challenging. Well, to be honest, sometimes being in a close proximity relationship can be challenging too, right? Yeah. Well... I had a long-distance relationship uh, with Alyssa, my wife, my beautiful wife. She's dropping the kids off over there. Uh, When we were dating, I had the privilege of being sent to Rome, Italy for a semester to be a a student leader, to be a resident assistant over there. And it was actually my my last semester of my senior year at Geneva College. Uh, And they were trying so hard to send me over. I said, no way. I have landed this beautiful woman who I think could be my wife. And if you send me away for three months, it might not come to fruition. So we prayed about it and we kind of decided this is going to be a make it or break it moment, right? Like if I cannot act foolish while I am in Rome, I may come back and marry this woman. Uh, And so we endured Uh, the long-term, long-distance thing was a challenge on, on many fronts. But I came back and we... We made it happen, guys. But we were, we're still dating. Uh, I graduate college in 2010, and then I go off to a small little town in Ohio, that foreign land. Are you familiar with it? I know we don't mention that name around here too often. I know a few of you appreciate it, but uh, we'll pray for you later. Um, so I was in Ohio doing a, a part-time ministry gig right out of college, and it was a beautiful opportunity to learn and grow. This is my first time really becoming an adult post-college living on my own, which was actually in the basement of the pastor's house that I was working at the church for. But it was my first time spreading my wings, and, and during that course of nine months, I, uh, I, I thought to myself, well, I better go back and, and surprise uh, Alyssa and get down on one knee and, and make it official, right? So I took her to the top of this boulder in the middle of this wide open field that was on the top of a mountain. You can say, ooh. It was very, very romantic, and she was speechless. I got down on one knee, and she was speechless. You know why she was speechless? Her brother was shooting off fireworks in the field, and she's like, she didn't see the fireworks because it was actually like daylight, and so that was bad planning on my part. She thought someone was shooting guns in the field somewhere. Um, anyway, it worked. I know it it worked and praise God we're here today. Um, we're, 
Married almost 10 years. September will be 10 years for us, overcoming some long-distance experiences. Yeah, praise the Lord, 10 years. It's been a great gift. Beautiful, challenging, three kiddos, ups and downs. Speaking of long-distance long distance relationships, uh, I, I think the, the relationship that Paul had with the church in Thessalonica was a bit of a long-distance relationship. He had spent a, a, a good amount of time nurturing them, sharing the gospel with them, trying to train and develop young leaders to be a church. Um, and, and Paul has to leave because he's experiencing persecution himself. So Paul's a little bit on the run and people are kind of taking him from city to city to avoid this persecution, which is kind of ironic because Paul started out as the one who was persecuting the church, right? Uh, so Paul ends up uh, traveling a bit and he's not near the church of Thessalonica, uh, but he has a, a heart to, to minister to this young church that is growing. And so he writes this letter to the church of Thessalonica, this, this church plant that he has developed with a, a Christ-centered, loving culture, a community that is grounded in their faith. And he writes this word that bolsters their vision for living in light of eternity. So to pick up where we left off last week from Pastor Dan's awesome sermon on chapter two, building life-giving relationships uh, in light of eternity. That was a great message, right? Pastor Dan, yeah, thanks, man. Love you. Uh, he's encouraging the faith of these young new believers by focusing on several points. So just to recap, last week Dan's points were, were to remember those who have influenced us in the, in the faith and push us towards the cross of Christ. And we're to become like them. Number two, we're called to suffer well, which means we do so together. This note was brought up because we were reminded of the persecution that the church was facing. And finally, point number three from last week was we're challenged to plant seeds of faith consistently and faithfully. All this bolstering our, our faith as we consider building life-giving relationships with eternity in mind. And so we're gonna pick up this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. You can grab it on your phone. If you're online, it should be on the screen popping up. So we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter three, I'll read the text to you. It says, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and coworker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might, might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. 
when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Yes, God, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you just reveal to us in the text what it is you want us to grow in, how you want to strengthen us, how you want us to grow as kingdom dwellers for your glory. Bless this text and the words of my mouth today, God. Amen. So Paul, friends, after planting this new young church, after developing young leaders, fresh converts to the faith who were filled with the Holy Spirit, grasping for Jesus, for salvation and new life, he was serving them with all of his heart, setting, setting an example, living with them, loving on them, these new believers in the Thessalonian church, teaching them the kingdom way, teaching them the word of God. And so uh, our bottom line for today is to consider influencing the next generation with eternity in mind. Influencing the next generation with eternity in mind. Paul's living that out now in real time as he's speaking to this, this younger church, this newer church full of fresh believers but suddenly Paul has to go the persecution and threats on his own life are at an all-time high the pressure is on so the believers whisk Paul away uh, then a few years passed and uh, Paul is on his his journey with Silas and, and Timothy to spread the gospel all while fleeing for his life many times he finally sends Timothy to go and check up and and care for this young church we know Paul deeply loved the young church because of the way that he describes his affection for it. It says earlier in chapter two that this affection for the believers in this church of Thessalonica is like a nursing mother cares for her child. That's pretty intimate. And as a father encourages and comforts and instructs his children, this is a strong relational reference that communicates great love and affection for those that Paul has been in community with. These young believers, this new church, has been, he's been urging them to live lives worthy of God. That is to say, living in light of eternity. And so, Paul sends Timothy. And Paul did this for more than just discovering how the weather was in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Uh, more than just to find out if their bocce team is still number one in the, the first Thessalonian Alliance Church uh, bocce league. But uh, guys, I, I would say I, I think we should start a bocce league. Uh, I think that'd be really awesome. Can I get an amen? All right, if you want to play, let, let's get it going. That'd be really cool. Um, no, Paul didn't send Timothy for small talk. The reconnaissance work of Timothy is of greatest importance. He came to make contact. Can everybody say contact? Yeah, this is our first point. He came to make contact on behalf of Paul to learn how they're standing in the faith while under persecution and under cultural pressures. He said, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, which was currently their safe haven. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer... I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Well, what do you suppose Paul was worried about in regards to the young church facing temptation? Well, the cultural norms were certainly strong and probably cause for stumbling. A few of them to mention, number one, sexual promiscuity running rampant and at an all-time high. Fraud-based living for selfish gain. And I think that he was, he was fearful of them des deserting the faith 
in face of persecution. Paul knew that there would have been overwhelming fear and anxiety regarding persecution. I mean, hello, welcome to Jesus' kingdom. Prepare to die for his cause. And yes, the kingdom is worth far more than silver and gold. Yes, it is worth dying and living for because Jesus died for us. And we know that greater love has no one than this who lays down his life for his friends. But still, these new Christians were wrestling with a lack of understanding regarding the post-death experience in the kingdom of God. When would Christ be coming back? Brothers and sisters in the faith are dying. They're being stoned and beaten and brutalized for standing firm in their faith. I can understand why they might waver in the faith and why Paul is certainly concerned for them. Church, in terms of influencing the next generation in light of eternity, we must soberly consider what temptations and fears we face and we need to honestly contemplate with great measure, how we face these giants with confidence. So I'd like to turn just a moment to, our, to an incredible moment with Jesus in, in Matthew chapter four. It's a section of scripture. There's this encounter between Jesus and the devil himself. So if, if you have your, your book with you, if you have the Bible with you, turn to Matthew four. I'm gonna read it here for you now. <clears throat> Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No kidding. <laughs> the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is our first instruction, friends, on how we wage war against the enemy and stand up firm in the face of temptation. We hide the word of God in our heart. This is God's truth that brings life. It's what we live on, what our souls need nurturing in. It's more satisfying than anything that the world has to offer. And Jesus combated against this temptation, being in a position where we, he would have been starving for that bread. But he sets the tone and the standard of, of how to face this first temptation, this temptation of weakness. Use the word as your sword against the enemy. So the enemy tries to best Jesus again. It says in verse five, the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is temptation number two and response number two, where the devil is twisting a truth of God's word and power and trying to actually use it against Jesus. He is trying to get Jesus to sin on his strengths this time. He's trying to get Jesus to play on his connection with God to sin. He is trying to get Jesus to use the power of God to sin. Well, that isn't happening here because Jesus knows that trusting God is better than testing God. Trusting God is better than testing God. And what we learn from this moment here in temptation number two, in response number two, is that being fully surrendered to God, we can trust him. In being fully surrendered to God, we can trust him and do battle against temptation. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
All this I will give to you, the devil says, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to the devil, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the third and final temptation we see here, friends, is is Jesus facing the shortcut temptation. Satan is tempting Jesus to achieve what Jesus actually set forth to do. Prove that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. In his kindness, God came to us in the flesh and dwelt among us to show us who he is and point us to himself through love, sacrifice, and resurrection power. The devil is trying to get Jesus to finish the work now in his way, in his timing, by taking a shortcut. It's the right thing, but in the wrong way. Jesus is not going to give in to temptation and worship Jesus, or and worship Satan. Jesus wins temptation here by giving all of his affection, love, adoration, all of his worship to God. All the worship to God. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.13 when he says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil leaves Jesus and angels came and they did attend to him. So, as Paul is processing all of this and thinking through encouraging the young believers For you, church, as part of your witness in regard to influencing the next generation in light of eternity, fight temptation like Jesus. Let the way you do battle against temptation be an expression of God's love and power to those around you who you influence. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might even tell you to speak this encouraging challenge in love to the next generation who is trying to figure out how to be a Jesus follower in a culture that is consumed with sex and self-worth. Wait, sorry, that's the church of Thessalonica. Um, that's not our kids. That's, that's not our students. No, it, it is. We are all wrapped up in this together. The Thessalonian church was under pressure from all of this, facing these temptations, needing encouragement and truth to stay the course and be sharpened as believers. And regarding the question of what happens after we die and when is Jesus coming back, I'm going to save those answers to those questions for the next couple of weeks as Pastor Aaron is going to be unpacking the back half of 1 Thessalonians, focusing on living in light of eternity. But I will drop a spoiler. Jesus is king and he is coming back. And it might be soon. Are you ready? Do you know him? The Thessalonians needed reminding of this good news and clarity on the, on the finale of their faith. Of this hope that they were now basing their whole lives on. Of this hope that they were now basing their, their death on. They needed reminded of the good news. And speaking of good news, just just curious, is this anyone's first time to our church this morning? Is this anyone's first time? Can I see your hand if this is your first time to our church this morning? Oh, everybody's so shy. Oh, good morning. Yeah, okay, hey, I have a, a CD here. It's called Good News. I've listened to it and it shaped my, my thinking and my Christ-centered worldview of soaking in the gospel while listening to music. I would love to give this CD to you as a gift since this is your first time here today. Hey, uh, can I have somebody run this all the way back there straight in the middle? Yeah, thanks. Everybody give it up for Willem Antonio. That's one of my favorite CDs uh, by Ren Collective. It's called Good News. May that be a, a blessing to you in your, your own faith journey.
So Paul was making and sustaining contact. And in doing so, he was, he was showing great love and care, making and sustaining contact, is a great practice in leading the next generation in light of eternity. Now, based on the report from Timothy, the community that Paul developed and established is, is dedicated to their faith in Jesus and rich with love for one another and for Paul. Let's keep looking at Paul's letter. It said, Timothy has just now come to us from you. All right, so they sent Timothy Timothy has come back. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Oh, that's sweet. Doesn't every pastor, parent, teacher, small group leader, or mentor just get so blessed in your heart when you hear about the impact on the, on the people that you invest in? whether it's your own kids or, or youth group kids or students, a leader longs to see the ones they are leading standing firm and growing. This is exactly what is happening here. We're, we're getting a glimpse of the impact. Everybody say impact. Yeah. We're getting a glimpse of the impact of the time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears that Paul invested into developing this church. The impact was real. The testimony and update from Timothy the scout says so. This is good news. They are walking in faith and love for one another and love for God and love for Paul. It's a beautiful swelling of love here. And so to make impact real for you this morning, I would like to one-up Pastor Dan who shared an email with you last week. Today, I would like to bring some voices themselves from our Awake Student Ministry to testify to God's goodness and the impact that he's had on their lives this past year. So can we welcome to the stage Janae Haas, Brooke Ryder, Rachel Borden, and Mark Hilliard. Would you welcome them up here with me this morning? These friends are going to give some glory to the Lord this morning as they share the ways that God has impacted them in our student ministry. So I'm actually going to ask Janae, would you mind sharing first? Come on up here. Thank you. Make sure you, you remind them who you are, and then you can share your piece. Thanks, guys. Okay, hi, guys. My name's Janae Haas, and I just finished 10th grade at State High. And I'm just going to start by sharing a couple verses that have been kind of impactful for me. So this is Psalm 73, 21 through 28. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So it's hard for me to even fathom how much Jesus has done for me over this past year, but I'm going to try to summarize it. So over the summer of 2020 is when it first kind of started because that was the first time that I was able to read through the whole Bible and it completely changed me because I had always heard that you should read your Bible and pray every day but I thought that was more of just a saying and not something people actually put into practice 
but reading it changed me day by day, and it kind of got me to the point that I felt like I needed to be a part of the student leadership team that was starting at the youth group here. I was at the point where I didn't really know where I stood with God, but I knew that anything with him was the best possible option for me. When I started going to the meetings, I found something that I hadn't dreamed of finding, which was community. For a while, I'd been somewhat of a loner for lack of trusting people, but I found such loving, fun, and godly people that it felt almost too good to be true. It was really neat for me to experience God's love through others in that way. Later in the middle of the year, there was a week where we had testimony nights, and I was really nervous, but I knew that God had forgiven me and knew my whole story, but I was having the mindset that I would never have to open up to others fully in that way. Proverbs 28:13 says, "One who conceals his wrongdoings will not prosper, but one who confesses and abandons them will find compassion." And even though I was kind of terrified, it was pretty life-giving to just bring everything that I knew was holding me back into the light and then just find that everyone still loved me just as much as they did before. And I even got to have some good conversations with other people that I didn't know struggled with the same things that I did. And later in the year, I got baptized with pastors, and Pastor Seth baptized me. And that was another great way to let out into the open what God was doing in my life. And I guess right before the summer, we had the Yesterday, Today, Forever retreat. And that day was really meaningful time spent with God also. And I just remember the most, at the very end of the night, we had time where we all could just write a psalm to God. And I guess to close out, I'm going to share what I wrote during that time. So here goes. God, every day I find myself asking why you saved me. I knew you and then rejected who you are, choosing to do the same night after night. I listened to you without hearing. I was a fake, a liar, a pretender a defiler of your creation, blind to your light, choosing to keep my eyes covered in darkness. I wore a mask and hid my detestable state from everyone, even you. I wanted the dark. I wanted death. I wanted my suffering. I didn't want you. What did you see in me? All creation will praise you. What would it matter if I weren't part of that number? I can hardly believe that you would use these ruined hands to touch others. I destroyed all of the good in me. Why would you choose me? I don't understand how your love could reach even to me. How will I ever be worthy of your gift? I will never be, but still I praise you. That's all. Okay. Um, Hi, my name is Brooke Ryder. Um, I'm not really good at writing or speaking, so please bear with me. Um, For a long time, I wasn't really living the Christian life. Um, I accepted Christ into my life when I was five, but I never really understood the relationship. Um, I knew who Christ was, but I just never spent time with him on my own. Uh, I was friends with all the wrong people, and I acted in all the wrong ways. Um, And for the most part, uh, for most of my life, I would say I was a pretty healthy kid. Uh, but one day I just wasn't. Um, I remember sitting up in my bed um, with my heart racing, terrified I was going to die, and no doctor could figure out what was wrong with me. 
and I was given a heart monitor. Only being an elementary kid, it was frustrating only having a whole bunch of wires connected to your chest and you couldn't do anything with your friends, you couldn't really just do anything that you wanted to when you were a kid, you know, you're very energetic. Um, <clears throat> but I remember it not even being worth it because the doctors still didn't know what was wrong and it was frustrating but I remember having a little cotton bracelet with the verse Psalms 31 24 written in which spoke uh, be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart all ye that have hope in the Lord <clears throat> and that helped I never really knew why but it always brought me peace and um, about sixth grade I was in school and all of a sudden it was like a huge wave had fell over me I felt tired and lightheaded and I thought I was going to pass out I had to get assistance to help me get to the nurse's office, and there the nurse office, the nurse sent me home saying I had the flu. I was bedridden for a while, and when I got healthy again, I would go to school for about a week and suddenly get sick again. Every time I got better, I would get sick even faster. Um, and finally, the sickness subsided, but for some reason, the lightheadedness never did. I would go to school often to um, just go to the nurses, call my mom, and go home. And um, I remember I missed a lot of school around then, and I had a lot of friends that didn't believe me, and the nurses never believed me, the doctors never believed me, and at certain times, my family wouldn't believe me either. And let me tell you, the multiple doctor visits did not help, each and every one telling me they didn't find anything or there was nothing else they could do. Um, I was starting to give up, and I was tired of being bedridden every single day and having no one to turn to. But um, one day, out of nowhere, the same verse that was written in my bracelet, Psalms 31, 24, came into mind, and I decided to pray. Something I didn't do very often, um, like just randomly during the day, and um, I felt at peace. The next day, I went to one more final doctor, and he uh, diagnosed me with something called dysautonomia. And... Um, after a lot of doctors, I had finally gotten answers, and I remember praying and thanking God as soon as he spoke those words. Um, the doctors continued to tell me that there was no true cure, um, but told me things that could help, and I feel like that day is when I really started turning towards God, and you can ask my physical therapist, my grandmother, who still believes that rubbing my feet pretty much healed me, which was torture. I don't like my feet touched. Um, <laughs> Uh, they might tell you, yeah, I helped heal her, but um, I know who did, and that was Christ. Um, just around then <clears throat> is when I started to really pray to God. Um, I prayed every night, and I started to hear his voice and feel his love, feel his presence. Um, <clears throat> I went to church with my family, but I didn't really go to youth group. My parents always told me, like, you should go, you should go, but back then I wasn't really that interested because... I wasn't really big on meeting new people, and a huge group of just new people didn't really sound appealing to me. Um, but that changed one day when I was in the car with my dad. Um, I heard this just powerful, loving, just bold voice that said, Brooke, I need you to start going here. Um, God had spoken to me, but I really didn't really want to listen, but I'm very glad that I did because that was the best choice I'd ever made. Um, the first day of youth group I really dreaded. I remember thinking I was going to be judged or feel out of place, but as soon as I walked through those doors, I felt nothing but welcome. Uh, the day, the first day, I met Mr. Seth Rausch. Um, he was super welcoming, and that day I asked him where to start reading in my Bible, and he shared some verses with me. 
um, that same day. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that same day, I actually went home and read the Bible. And coming from someone who didn't read the Bible on their own, I only read it with other people. That was like a big deal, and I was super, super excited. Um, I opened it. I understood it. I took some notes. And the next week, I was super excited to go back to youth group. Um, I met tons of people that shared the same interests, and I felt happy, and I felt like I belonged. Uh, I also remember one day, I saw someone come to youth group that I used to go to school with, uh, we were meeting in our small groups and we usually split between grades. Uh, she was a grade younger than mine, but this night her um, leader was not there, so she joined my group. Uh, we were going around in the circle and we were telling each other prayer requests and she was seeking prayer for her grandfather who was extremely sick. He was in the hospital, unable to walk and talk. And we prayed all together as a group, but I felt like a huge urge to go deeper into the prayer. So I, um, I pulled her aside and I prayed for her one-on-one. -on -one. And I remember the week after that, um, she came to youth group. She came running towards me, thanking me for prayer, which is huge amount of joy on her face, thanking me for praying. Uh, she told me then that her grandfather was home walking again and that he was no longer in the hospital. And that was a big miracle that God had let me be a part of. Uh, we sat down and we thanked him for healing her grandfather. And that night I realized how powerful God really was to fix the broken. God had healed me, gave me hope, gave me faith, gave me a place I can fulfill my dreams of being a singer. He gave me a community I can count on. He gave me love. And when he gave me youth group, he gave me a place I can bury my burdens, a place I can be myself, and a place I can call home. Because God has a plan for you and he is a healer. Thank you. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Rachel Borden and this was my first year being an awake leader, which is very interesting because as we know, we've had a pandemic this year. So I joined in September and I remember driving to awake and I was like, oh man, I don't wanna do this. Um, I am a teacher and I work all day with kids and I was like, why am I doing this thing at night? I'm with kids all day and now I'm gonna be with kids all night. And I got there and everyone was wearing masks and I was like, I don't know who anyone is. I don't know who my girls are. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I kept coming and I kept coming and I'm so glad I did because it has been just such a great experience and the Lord has been glorified in so many ways. Um, I happen to work with the sixth grade girls. Um, they are wonderful humans. If you ever talk to one, you will find that out very quickly. Um, but I work with them, and at first they were a little shy, and then very quickly they became not very shy at all. Um, you'll also learn that very quickly if you meet them. Um, they're just a ball, a whole ball of joy, and getting to know them, getting to see their passions, getting to see their vulnerability um, pretty early on. They started sharing about their anxiety and their depression and um, siblings with eating disorders and just a lot of trauma that they're going through. Um, and that ability to pray and sit with these kids who are so young but going through so many things um, was just really awesome. But one of the coolest things um, is that I am also a teacher. So I am a ninth grade English teacher at State High and so there are kids at youth group that I have also taught and seen in the school. 
And there was a, one student in particular I had last year, I was going through some things, and I, after class, I just sat there and I was like, I just so badly want this kid to know the Lord. I know that he didn't seem to have any experiences with the Lord, and so I just, I really wanted him to know the Lord, but I couldn't um, necessarily be that person in that capacity. Um, and months passed, this year happened, and then I was watching the Boost video, and I was like, wait a minute. I think I see this kid. And so I texted Pastor Seth, and I was like, is that this kid? And he was like, I think so. And so I came to youth group, and I saw this kid that I had prayed for so many times, um, and just getting to see him and his friends and other high schoolers that I see every day in the classroom or friends of my kids in the classroom or just walking around the hallway. Um, it's just Amazing. I don't know if I could put it into words um, how beautiful it is to see kids who didn't know the Lord um, in the capacity that I'm usually in just be with him. I know this, um, this week we had all together, everyone, a youth group. And so I got to see my girls, my sixth grade girls, and my high school, girl, or my high school um, students and people that know my high school students and worshiping all together with students I've had at school and these kids that I've gotten to know the past couple months is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So um, God is so good, and I've definitely seen that through Awake. Uh, my name is uh, Mark Hilliard, and I'm a uh, leader of 10th grade. I, they keep growing as they, as they go. And they keep telling me I'm old, so, you know. Uh, a big win that, that we saw this year was uh, implementing the student leadership into Awake. And it, it was just uh, great seeing the kids take on the, the additional responsibility, ownership. Uh, they developed, you know, a core. I mean, we developed a core of kids that would come together and, and, and actually lead, uh, you know, a lot of portion of, of what was going on at Awake, which has been great to see. Uh, they've been uh, meeting with the adult leaders once a month, so we'll meet, we'll worship, we'll pray, pray together, eat together, and it's been a really good time uh, with the kids to see them develop and, and, and grow through this uh, leadership. Um, one of the special evenings that we had uh, just happened to be uh, when Pastor Seth was away, and, and and I know he was praying for us, but uh, Janae alluded to it. That's, you know, she, she had talked uh, that evening. That was a, a night of sharing with, uh, with the group. But it was just, you know, shame on me for, you know, thinking that that, uh, that, that, that was going to be, you know, hard without Seth there. But, but it turned out to be such a special evening. We had kids that, that uh, we opened the floor up to other kids. And we had one that had been affected by sickness, you know, speak. Um, another one came up and, you know, they were sharing how a friend had brought them to awake. Uh, no longer their friend is coming, but they still had it inside them that they wanted to be part of awake. So it, it's been great to see that, that connection. Um, we're also blessed with an outstanding uh, worship uh, team. Um, I, I tell you, they're... they're uh, you know, each week it's like hearing a concert there at Awake, and it was such a great thing to hear live music, and the kids, you know, even with their masks on, they could still uh, blurt out uh, a really good tune there. 
Um, we've seen kids that have failed or that have faded away for a period uh, that ended up coming back and they've rededicated their life to uh, Jesus and have returned stronger and uh, willing to share their uh, testimony and also talents. And that's been great to see at, at Awake. We had a uh, night, um, I think in April, where we had various prayer stations. And there's about 12 different stations. And, and, you know, you sort of took your time going around the various stations. But there was one that really stood out to me. There was a whiteboard. And on one side, uh, you're to write down your hurts. And the other uh, side, you're supposed to write down, you know, where God has, has provided healing. And uh, just hearing the kids, you know, the, the hurts that they were putting on the board there, such, how, how much impact that was. It, you could see their struggles, lies that they're believing, and it's the same things that, that we as adults are, are going through too, you know, especially through the, this past year with the pandemic and how that's affected each of their lives. So um, as a leadership team, uh, we took those hurts and we, we prayed over those as, as we met together, and, and that was such a special time doing that. So... Um, we're definitely looking forward to this summer and um, in a year, you know, with the with Awake. And we know uh, Pastor Seth and Alyssa are going to be away for for a bit. But, you know, the Holy Spirit and God and everything is going to be right there with us. And, and we're, we're, you know, expecting good things. And, and uh, I just encourage those that have maybe faded away um, to, to come back and, and get connected to, uh, to the youth group here. And um, as, as they said, you, once, once you start, you know, connect with one person, you're going to start connecting with a bunch of others. And, and it, you're just going to be blessed from that experience. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mr. Mark. All right, you guys cooking enough yet out there? All right, we're almost done, so hang in there. I know the pressure cooker is like beeping up. Beep, beep, beep. Turkey's done. Hey, I'm thankful for your testimonies, guys. And as, as Mr. Mark said, I don't know if the whole church knows this, but uh, Alyssa and I are, are stepping away for the summer. Uh, as I, in my eighth year, I'm taking a sabbatical uh, this summer, which I'm really blessed to receive. Our elders said, hey, it's, it's time for you to, to catch some rest. Uh, and coming out of the pandemic season in my eighth year felt like a good time that the Lord was leading to embrace that. So thank you, church, for giving us the opportunity to do that. And thank you, leaders, for sustaining and carrying on uh, our, our ministry. Yeah. Praise God. Influencing the next generation in light of, of eternity leaves an impact. Um, so we'll conclude here with my final point. Uh, no amens there. Thank you. Uh, it is important for us to mind how we react, church. Can you say react? While leading the next generation in light of eternity. I want to read this, this, uh, this section of scripture starting in verse 8 in 1 Thessalonians. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in 
your faith. Friends, the way that we react to the next generation is so important. I'm learning this in real time as a youth pastor, but especially in the context of parenting, I know that my reactions impact the affections of my children towards me. And the way that Paul reacts here is is so beautiful. How can we thank God for the good news of your great love and joy and being standing firm in the faith? And it's encouraging to my heart too to hear Brooke and Janae sharing their testimonies. And that's just a glimpse. That's just a small picture into all the puzzle pieces that God's working together in our student ministry. Guys, the way that you react influences the next generation. Um, And and in regard to being a parent, just a a nugget that's a bonus. If you're needing something for yourself as a a parent that is both biblical and parenting help, uh, simultaneously refreshing for your soul, Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting, 14 Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. This book is gold. This good is good for your soul and good to help guide you in your parenting. So I'll share that with you tomorrow in my my letter from the pastor's desk as as a link that you can connect with that if you want to. Um, But friends, uh, I'm aware that the church at Thessalonica, uh, you know, they weren't a group of of children who needed parenting, but still, when it comes to influencing those who come behind us, whether it's our own children, students in your your classroom or your small group, a, a young professional or an intern who's just beginning to develop in their career, or in this case, Christians who are trying to practice being the church, we should stay in contact, celebrate the impact, and Use the opportunity to react as a chance to express the love of God. So I I pray that the things that we have learned today would would build our faith and build the faith of others as we take these things to heart. Paul concludes his letter by saying, May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and and God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Church, I know that this chapter in and of itself might not seem deeply theological at face value. The breakdown of keeping in contact, celebrating the realized impact, and focusing on how we react can seem more like a how-to chapter. We should not neglect to remember and celebrate how God has chosen to keep in contact with us, sinners, fallen short of the glory of God. He reached down and made contact with us through his son, Jesus. He poured himself out on the cross and rose from the grave, amen, so that all who believe in him may not perish but have eternal life, deeper life in the Holy Spirit. Everyone around you is being influenced by you, but the next generation especially is looking to you. They're looking to you for examples of how you chase after Jesus, how you love Jesus, how you find Jesus to be most satisfying. How you discover Jesus to be the light for your path. Remember this as you ponder influencing the next generation in light of eternity.